Hey everyone, welcome to the Troy Christian High School Chapel Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our Chapel YouTube channel and follow our Chapel Instagram account. Those two places will be the easiest way to check out what's coming up, as well as find some bonus content from our speakers and worship team. Most importantly, I hope the following message challenges and encourages you to grow in your relationship with God as you learn to love God and love others better. Enjoy. What's up, family? Let me hear you make some noise one time for yourselves. Now let's make some noise for the King of Kings who does amazing things, who's faithful, who's here with us. I'm super excited to be back. Uh, Anybody in the room was here last year when I was here? Let me see your hands. Oh my gosh, it was off the chain. We was in the student section. Are you ready, kids? One of the best days of my life had my Eagles outfit on. Uh, As I said before, though, that was a, it feels like six years ago, you know? It's been that long. It feels like, but it was just last year. Our world is different, man. And if you weren't here, I'll give quick context about who am I, who's this guy with blue hair and all that color up there. Uh, I'll let you know who I am, then we'll get into today's message. Is that cool? My name is Terrell Carter. My mama calls me Trace. Uh, My Instagram account also says Trace, so pick whichever one you want. I'm a hairstylist, platform educator based in Columbus, Ohio. Um, Married to a beautiful, beautiful, mm, my wife, she's amazing. Let me get a picture of my family so I can get inspired right quick. You see the deliciousness called my wife to the left. Uh, My daughter there with the big smile, her name's Autumn Rain. And my son right there lives up to his name. His name's Phoenix Storm. And he's two years old. It's my family. Love him to death. Um, But man, we've been going through some fire. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Me and my wife went on a date night recently and it it inspired the paradigm I want to use for today's discussion. Uh, We went clay spinning. Anybody ever been clay spinning? Uh, Actually, literally sitting down with clay. If you haven't been it's exhilarating, but that moment changed my life. It brought to uh, context, it crystallized in my mind what the scripture meant when it said, God is the potter and we are the clay. So you're sitting down and it has this like remote control thing with your foot and you're controlling how fast you want this thing to go. You know, if you barely tap it, you can go like, you know, two miles an hour. If you floor it, I mean, it really can go like, it's crazy. It's much harder than it looks. My wife was way better than me at it. See my pathetic bowl up there? It's not up there anymore, but never used it. But nonetheless, I'm in there. I'm getting the hang of it, and it hits me. Holy Spirit begins speaking to me. This is what it looks like when God is molding you. He's very intentional about the grooves that he puts into you. He's very, very... because you. One subtle movement, and you completely change the design, whatever you're making. And God, who designed you, you, 100% you, your, your temperament, your Enneagram, your disc profile, your introvert extrovertness, your personality, your skill set, what makes you cry versus what makes you laugh, those are very intentional hands on a wheel molding you. After we got done molding, um, 
we had to put these vessels in the fire. And that was brought back to my remembrance as I look around our world. I look around, I'm seeing so many, so many different fires, so many things going on in my personal life. And I look around this room and I know no one in here is exempt. There are some fires. It feels like this is such a fiery time in my life. I just turned 30. And this literally, in my 30 years of living, is the most difficult time I've ever lived. While simultaneously, I've never felt more prepared for what is happening than I've ever felt in my life. And I want to share today how I've come to that realization and how that realization can empower you to be everything God is calling you to be during this time. You guys ready to jump in this? I want to uh, pull up a scripture. 2 Timothy 2, verses 20 and 21. This is speaking about the, the vessels, the tools that are in the master's house. It's the context of this scripture. Before I read it, I want to give this, I want to drive this point home. You are designed by God. Anytime a tool is designed, whether you're a ruler or a hammer, there was a very specific task in mind when the designer made it. So when you look at your life, when you look at who you are in the context of being designed by God, the details matter. You are uniquely qualified to do certain things that the person sitting next to you, no matter how long you've known them, no matter how much their hair looks like yours, no matter how much you guys dress alike, you are uniquely qualified more than anybody in this room to do what God has called you to do. The moment a hammer tries to do the work of a ruler, gets difficult. The moment the ruler tries to do the work of a hammer, it might can do it. <laughs> It'll get damaged in the process. And I want us to be so sure of who we are, of who God has designed us to be, and how he actually prepares us as tools to be ready to be on his tool belt. We look around the world, so many projects that God is at work in. I know it's painful. I know it's bringing about anxiety. I know it looks like darkness, but stars shine the brightest amidst the darkest skies. And God is at work. And this scripture in 2 Timothy gives a, a bit of a, a, an analogy that I love when thinking about the uniqueness of the people in the room and what God does to prepare us to be used by him. It says, now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver bowls or vessels or tools, implements, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself, if you're writing, underline that like 10 times. If anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument a special vessel set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Purify, prepared. Purify, prepared. 
This is God's work. No matter what you think of yourself, God could do what he does without any and every one of us in this room. However, he's made a decision to partner with us. He's designed us. Those are my tools. When I go to work, I'm going to use those tools that I've designed to accomplish my mission. And he's at work. One of my favorite scriptures in the, in the Bible, Ephesians 2.10 2, says, we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So not only are we tools with very intentional design, God also got a plan for what he wants to do with these tools. And it's been etched in stone before time began. If you use the analogy of clay, if there's one takeaway that you go home with today, it's that this is God's mission I am a tool in it, and he will prepare me for whatever is ahead. It's his work. I'm a tool. He will prepare me. It's his work. We are tools. He will prepare us. How does he prepare us? Well, we, we started back on the clay wheel. He's molding us. How you were born, who you were born to, what was your upbringing, what were the TV shows that you watched, <laughs> that you liked? What were the experiences that God allowed to happen in your life, good or bad, in the moment? But the, the scripture says all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So the good and the bad. When you're making cake, the sugar and the baking soda are required. But baking soda by itself is disgusting. I've tried it for whatever reason. God is intentional. It's his work. You are his tool. He will prepare you. He's molding you. That experience that almost fractured you was actually giving you a strength that you will then have for what's ahead. He's been intentional your entire life. All the way up to the news you got today about next week. God is molding. What, what is that molding in you? How is it changing your perspective? It's forcing you to shift. Well, one thing on the wheel, when, when you're molding something and it, and it just gets ugly or out of hand, you like smash the clay back down to start over. Anybody ever felt smashed? Anybody feel like I'm being smashed now? That God is taking everything that I am, everything that I knew to be stable and he's crushing it and he's molding it, all this pressure on me. But as beautiful as the vase or the bowl, whatever the tool is, comes out, it can't be used to serve with until it's placed into the fire. If I tried to take that bowl as clay and eat cereal with it, <laughs> I mean, the shape was there, but it didn't have the strength. The things that God allow in your life that bring about pain are the things that are bringing about your greatest power. Think about the gym. You go in there, you're working out, you're feeling the pain of what you're going through, but it's making you stronger. The same with your life. The same with the experiences that God is allowing. For each and every person in this room, that's different. We've all learned something about ourselves, 
about our family, about our world in 2020 that we've never known before. And it's new and we're figuring it out and we're struggling figuring it out. And all this free time in your mind, you're, you're, thinking, you're figuring out stuff about yourself you didn't know. You've been walking with certain traumas for decades and decades, how old are you? 18, decade-ish. And, and yet, yet, we're in a time that feels like it's crushing. It feels like I'm overwhelmed. And that might be true. I want to give you perspective that will help you to press on through that moment. And I'm actually use one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, it's in the book of Daniel. Three Hebrew boys, you might know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, it's a story worth exploring. I'm going to give it to you in very broad strokes um, because I'm going to just give you some nuggets and gems all through this story. I mean, it's packed full of drama. Uh, it's amazing. Um, but before I go to that, I want to give you my favorite quote. Real gold doesn't fear fire. I'm going to get that tatted on me somewhere. Real gold doesn't fear fire. Well, let's think about that real quick. Why not? If anybody's ever been mining for gold, you know that it's not as pretty as it looks in K Jewelers when you first find it. No, you find that thing in the dirt. You have to brush the dirt off of it. Then you have to put immense pressure and fire into the experience of this diamond before it can become everything it was designed to be and realize its full potential and realize its full value. If the gold did not embrace the fire, it would fall short of everything it was supposed to be. So we as people... Paul was encouraging us when he spoke over in 1 Peter. He said, truly be glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. There's a day where Jesus himself will come back riding on a horse and come and get us, relieve the pain, all the stress, all the anxiety, all the tears. He will come. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies, there's that word, purifies gold. So, real gold doesn't fear fire. Why not? Because real gold knows I need the fire to become everything I'm supposed to be. If we could adopt the mentality of real gold, it changes the way we look at our present fire. Because if you know I'm a tool designed by God, molded and shaped, ready to be served with, but I know I won't realize my full value, I won't obtain my full strength until I'm put into the fire. So here we are. What's that fire for you? <laughs> Man, this is the longest year in history. It feels like March feels like eight years ago, but that ushered in new anxieties, new pressures. Some people have learned things about themselves, their family. You've been put under stressful situations, trying to learn digitally at the crib with siblings who are also on their Zoom calls and it's loud and you're in my space and mom, why didn't you buy the bigger house? I told you we should have finished the basement. Like feeling the tension, the pressure. Some of you are 
finding ways to cope with the stress that are unhealthy. And you realize that. And you need God's help. This message is for you. Daniel 3. Real gold doesn't fear fire. These three Hebrew boys, I think, had the mentality I want you to have. And I'm going to do my, if, if I do my job well, you will be able to stand in their shoes as they were in their own pandemic. And you will see the perspective that they had as it relates to fiery trials. So in Daniel 3, the Babylonians have taken the Israelites captive, slaves. And a smart thing that the Babylonians did, when I say smart just from a you know, business standpoint, war, they combed through all the slaves and they picked out the strongest, the brightest, uh, and the Bible actually says the prettiest. Well, it doesn't say pretty, it says, you know, handsome. You ain't bad to look at. You can serve in our house. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were one of those, were the, part of that selection. So the three Hebrew boys, they're God-fearing. King Nebuchadnezzar, who's leading the Babylonians, is not God-fearing. He actually thinks he's God. He builds a gold statue of himself. Anybody got a gold statue of themselves in their house? No? Okay, good. I'm glad. That was a joke. You can laugh. I know your mask is all up on your face. <laughs> uh, I will say, sidebar, one thing about being up on stage, I'm glad I don't got my mask on. I can actually use all of my lips without getting rug burn on my little mustache. But terrible joke, I'm sorry. These three Hebrew boys, God-fearing, Nebuchadnezzar is not. Nebuchadnezzar builds a gold statue of himself. Nebuchadnezzar sets a time that when the music plays, everybody in the kingdom bow down to this statue of me. (laughs) The three Hebrew boys are like, absolutely not. The music plays, they don't bow. The officials see it. Like, imagine millions of people bowing at this statue. You got these brothers like, you good? No? Get off my shoe. Yeah. They didn't bow. The officials go tell the king, and the king is hot. How dare you not bow down? I've invited you in my house. We're treating you well. You, you, it could be a lot worse for you. How dare you? And, and actually, the, the, the king gives a little bit of grace the king actually says, hey, let me give you an ultimatum. Like, I'm the king and everything. You already disrespected me, but I'll give you another chance. That music plays, you bow down. But if this time you don't bow, I will throw you into the fiery furnace. <laughs> and the response of these Hebrew boys is telling. It's a response that challenged me, that elevated me in my faith. Those Hebrew boys said, First off, we ain't bound. We ain't bound. I don't care what you put in front of me, devil. I'm not bowing. I serve one true and living God. I'm not bowing. But if I go into the fire, my God is able to save me anyway. And even if he doesn't, <laughs> this is the like, I don't know if he was being petty. I wish I could have heard how he said this because when you read it, you know, how sometimes you read a text message and like, you'd be like, well, did he say it like this? Did he emphasize the, you know? But he said, I will not bow. And even if he doesn't save me from the fire, I'm not bowing. King's hot now. He says, turn the fire up seven times hotter. 
Now, this is where I really want to put you into the shoes of these three Hebrew boys. So, you ever said something like real brave in the moment? Ah, I let it out. And then after you say it, you're like, dang, I really just said that. What was I thinking? I'm bugging. Oh, my gosh. Now I got to deal with the consequences of what I just said. That was stupid. You know how the enemy tries to make you think that the boldness you just displayed was in vain. But these boys were feeling that. I can imagine the, the soldiers coming over to them, bound them, and now they're walking and the enemy's in their mind. People are laughing. Maybe at any point during this walk, they could have said, okay, okay, I'm playing. All right, all right, I bow. I bow. You're playing. I got you. Could have. They didn't. Sold out for their faith. Had me in the mirror like, are you ready to die for your faith, bro? Like, somebody tell you to bow to another God? Are you willing unto the point of death to say, nah, come on, man, my God's too good. You can't take anything away from me, not even my life. I've already laid it down. I've already been purchased with a price. I'm already covered by the blood of lamb. There's already been a sacrifice for me. What I'm afraid of, these boys are feeling that, but I'm sure simultaneously the enemy's never done speaking to their mind, but they're walking. The scripture says that the soldiers that were carrying them to the furnace, because the fire was so hot, these brothers died while they were putting the three Hebrew boys in the fire. You got King Nebuchadnezzar's and all these officials watching this happen, by the way. But can you imagine, literally close your eyes with me and imagine you're Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego, and you get thrown in this fire. And about 10 seconds in, you're like, I'm not burning. What? This is trippy. But these guys were the smartest of the smartest, if you remember that. Those brothers knew about Moses and how the God of the universe told fire to take the afternoon off back when he was speaking to Moses on a burning bush. They knew of God's ability with fire. Maybe that fed into their boldness to declare that God can protect me in the, fi in the fire the same way he did the branches that were in the fire back on that hill when he talked to Moses. They're in there, though, and they're not. Can you imagine the revelation that this God who's a protector, who's a fortress, who will always be there for me no matter what. Can you imagine the revelation that they have of that? How empowering that is. I can, I literally signed up to die. So the fact that God came in and saved me, I've laid death at the altar already. You're a dangerous person in the hand of God when the fear of death is off the table. I'll do whatever you say, God. I'll go wherever you go, God. These boys are, are having that realization. Nebuchadnezzar is the one who observes that there's a fourth person in the fire with these three Hebrew boys. If you notice that in the text, you will realize that this is very important piece of information because it was the onlookers 
who saw the people of God in the fire, who declared how good God was. We're all in our individual fires. As much as God is using that fire to purify and strengthen you, there are people that God has strategically placed around you who follow you on Instagram, who follow you on TikTok, who follow you on Snapchat, who are in your families, who live on your blocks, who go to your school that are watching you. You have influence over them. And the way you go through the fire is inspiring them. Nebuchadnezzar sees this fourth person in the fire with him and he's confused. Didn't we throw three people in? He calls them out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come on out. What's going on? And he declares there's no other God who's able to save like yours. So, so I want to close with this because I can't promise that there aren't hard trials ahead or that God will remove you from the hard trial that you're in right now. But I want you to have this paradigm that real gold doesn't fear fire. Real gold embraces the reality that I need the fire. So the thing bringing me the most discomfort right now is God using to make me. That subtle paradigm shift will change the way you wait in the fire, the way you let it make you. You also will allow God to use your testimony to inspire others who are watching you. I want us all in this together. We all have a role to play. Of the billions and billions and billions of people that have ever lived and died, there's only one you. And God cares about you. Even if there was a previous fire that prepared you for service, you were that bowl, you were that vessel, and you were broken in various ways. The potter, he's always shaping, he's always restoring, he's always molding, if you let him. One last thing, and I'll end here. The one part of the story that I left out was that the Hebrew boys, when they were thrown into the fire, remember I said they were bound? The scripture says that the fire, it didn't burn their clothes, didn't burn their hair, they didn't smell like smoke at all, but it says the fire burned off their bondage. Could it be that before God uses you in whatever capacity that he wants, before he inspires the millions and millions of people that this room will inspire, that he would take the time to bring a fire to your life that burns off the things that are holding you back? What an amazing God that we serve who cares about those details and will make us ready for his service. Let's end with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are amazing, you are true, and every single person in this room has a purpose that you alone have uniquely designed, and everything about them was strategic. You don't do anything whimsically, Father. So I pray that the seed would fall in good soil, that it would be watered, that it would bring about fruit in their lives that impacts our hurting world. We love you, we bless you, we give you glory in Jesus' name. And everybody in the building set. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, can we just do a thank you applause for Terrell? Thank you, Jesus.